You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning, 9 o'clock. How are we doing today? Good. Good. You guys sound pretty spry for this early in the morning. So uh, before we get into the teaching today, uh, what do you say we just stop and pray just for a minute, shall we? And as we bow our heads before uh, the Lord, I want you to pray something in your own heart and mind, something just like this, particularly if you're a spiritual investigator, uh, not for sure if God is even for real. Uh, I want you to just pray something like this, God, if you're really out there, would you please reveal yourself to me? And if you will reveal, I will respond. Those of us that know Christ, our prayer goes something a little different. We're praying something like this, God, soften my heart. God, I don't know it all. God, I don't have it all together. God, I need you now more than ever. God, I humble myself before the truths that will be presented that come from your holy, inspired word. And I submit myself to your word to obey you and see your power work in my life. And so as we ask these difficult questions today, Father, give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, welcome to bring wisdom into our hearts and lives. And we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Well, in case you're uh, coming along for the first time, uh, uh, we've been in a series of teachings called uh, Think About It, where we've been thinking through what we believe and why. And last week, we considered some of the logical reasons as well as the biblical reasons why we believe that there's even a God out there. Um, And so we've been considering belief in an age of skepticism and thinking through what we believe and why we believe it, that we're not just taking a leap of faith or we're not just buying into uh, the beliefs of our parents or our heritage, but we're thinking through for ourselves what we really believe. Now, uh, as a pastor, the, the most asked question I get over the years has been, Doug, why would a good God allow suffering? And the, the reasoning goes something like this, you know, if God is all-powerful and has the power to overcome and alleviate evil pain and suffering, then he must not be good or he must not be all-powerful because if he's all-powerful and he could do something about evil and pain and suffering in the world, then he would uh, do something about it. And you know, I know some of you, when it comes to suffering, you think about your personal suffering, right? And some of you are thinking, man, why is it that my marriage, my last marriage had to dissolve? Or why is it that my spouse cheated on me? I mean, wasn't I good enough? Uh, Why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to lose my mom or my dad way too early and go through the pain of losing someone that I care about to death? Or why is it that I have to endure this Uh, sickness or this disease or this chemical imbalance that makes me uh, depressed and have to be on meds all the time? Or why is it um, that I have to be so poor? I mean, I just can't get my head above water financially. So why me? Why do I have to go through this suffering? And I got to let you know today that I have my fair share of dealing with pain and suffering and evil and the like. And I'll never forget the first time I had to do an infant funeral. It was the funeral of Joshua Russo. He was the infant son of John and Sandra Russo. And normally I'm pretty composed when I'm speaking publicly, but this particular funeral service, I remember in the chapel I was fine doing the service, but when we got to the graveside, 
and I was standing there uh, reading Scripture and talking. I looked up, and I saw a little casket about this big, and I was undone, and I lost it, and I cried right in front of a group of people that I was trying to comfort. And I was asking God, why this little casket? Why would you allow this to happen? And these parents have to suffer in this way. But here's one of the things that we've got to acknowledge. We're all dealing with suffering. Look, it doesn't matter whether you're a longtime Christ follower who's leaning into God to get help and encouragement through suffering, or if you are an atheist agnostic and you believe that uh, God's not even real because of the problem of evil and suffering. One thing all of us together in the human family have in common is we all know that our day's coming. That if we're enjoying the good life now, that our day of suffering will come in some way. And so I want to encourage you today with a little metaphor that for years has helped me and other people um, deal with suffering. And it's the metaphor of the cookie, okay? Anybody cookie lovers here, chocolate chip cookies? Okay, I'm all about some cookies, okay? And I put a picture up there, and now you're thinking about cookies, and your mouth is starting to water because you know that if you had a glass of milk and that plate of cookies that you see on screen, you could do some damage, right? I mean, uh, Humby and I joke, we could take out a row of Oreos real fast, right, uh, with just one glass of milk. But if you look at the chocolate chip cookie, it's a good metaphor for suffering. And if you look at the ingredients of the cookie, okay, if you're going to bake the cookies, you know that it's going to have like the flour, it's going to have some baking soda, it's going to have some salt, okay, by themselves, those ingredients do not taste good, do they? But if you add in the chocolate chips, that's the only good part of the ingredients. But if you read the instructions, right, on the cookie container or whatever when you're baking the cookies, it's going to tell you to do two things. Just about every cookie instruction is going to have these two uh, uh, instructions there. You're going to take all these ingredients, throw them in a bowl, and you're going to beat them, right? You're going to beat them, and then you're going to heat them. You're going to beat them, then you're going to heat them. You beat it all together, put them into the little cookie circles. You're going to put them on the cookie sheet. You're going to put them in the oven that's typically going to be uh, preheated to 350 degrees, and then you're going to heat them up. And that is like our lives, isn't it? is that sometimes our lives, the ingredients aren't all good, are they? I mean, every once in a while we get our chocolate chips, right? But a lot of our lives are baking soda or flour or salt sometimes, aren't they? And sometimes we get beat and we endure the heat of suffering in the oven of suffering. And that's why I want to submit this one transformative idea to all of us today, and it's simply this. I hope it's not too cheesy for you. I hope you'll remember it. But here's the transformative idea. When I get beat and endure heat, I'll turn sweet, okay? I need your help with this one, okay? So uh, when I say beat, those of you who are in uh, the right section over here to my left, I want you to say the word beat. Those of you in the middle, I want you guys to say uh, heat. And then those of you to my right-hand side and those of you in the video cafe, I'm going to let you be sweet, okay? Here we go. We ready to try it together today? All of us, no matter what we believe, this will help us endure suffering. When I get and endure, I'll turn 
That's what I'm talking about. Okay, let's try it just one more time. In Video Cafe, you better be saying this, okay? I've got people over there. Here we go. When I get and endure, I'll turn. Woo, yeah, okay. So back to the question of why suffering. Uh, Today we're gonna discuss three reasons for suffering, three fairly intuitive reasons that I think we all No, and there are many more reasons for suffering than what we'll have time to cover today, but let's just deal with three of them today. The first one is, is that, and we all know this, okay, we know that people deal with suffering because of our own sin. We we suffer because of our own sin. Now, if you've read through the Old Testament of the Bible, perhaps you come across the story of this prophet, Nathan. Nathan was the good prophet of God who served God during the reign of King David, and one day, Uh, Nathan was called upon by God to go to the king and tell him a story. It was kind of a confrontational story. And Nathan goes to King David and he says, you know, King David, there was a poor man who had a lamb. And this lamb was like a pet lamb to this family. This, uh, it, it was their only little lamb. I mean, this little lamb would eat off their plates and drink out of their cups and snuggle up with them in bed at night. And then there was a rich man who had way more than just one lamb. I mean, he had herds and flocks of sheep and lambs. And the rich man took the poor man's lamb and slaughtered it and served it for dinner. And King David was outraged. And he said, well, that rich man should be held accountable. He should be executed for his sin against the poor man. And Nathan, with fire in his eyes, looked into David's face and said, you're that man. You're that man. And David realized, I just got served, you know. And the reason David knew this is because he had gone and taken the poor man's wife, Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David had committed adultery with her, and to make matters worse, He had arranged for Uriah to be killed so he could take in Bathsheba, the poor man's only lamb, to be his own wife. And because of his sin, David experienced loss, pain, and depression. Not because of anything else in the world, but because of his own sin, he experienced loss and depression. And he reflects on this in Psalm chapter 118, verse 18, and also 119. Look at, look at it with me. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. And David's posture completely changed from self-righteous to humble before God, recognizing I made my bed, now I gotta lay in it. And I think that leads us to a place to begin when it comes to thinking through our own suffering. If we brought it upon ourselves, we ought to come to God with a humble posture. And you know, there is another question to explore related to suffering. Everybody wants to ask God the question, God, why would you allow suffering? But when we, we come to God humbly and appropriately, the question is not, God, why would you allow suffering? It's God, as righteous you, as you are, and as sinful and as many mistakes as I've made in my life, why would you allow me to experience anything good? Why do I get any chocolate chips in my cookies? Because all I deserve 
is salt because of my sins and the mistakes that I've made in this life. So let's look at the second reason why people suffer. It's because of the sins of other people, right? We know sometimes we bring it upon ourselves, but sometimes uh, other people do things that harm us. Now, some people choose to abandon the belief in God and say, well, if God really existed, then he wouldn't allow the sins of that other person to affect me and cause suffering and hurt in my life. I've talked to a lot of kids who say, man, my parents got a divorce. I didn't choose that. My parents divorced and it hurt me or a thief broke into my house and stole my stuff. I didn't deserve for that thief to do that or I didn't deserve for that bully to come and beat me up. Well, look, if God doesn't exist, then you have a bigger problem. And here's what the problem is, is that if there's no God, there's no moral reason to believe that the violence against you and against other people is even wrong. It's just natural selection or survival of the fittest. And so if there's no divine law, then why have a sense of outrage about the suffering and pain that's going on in the world? The strong eat the weak. That's just life. So what's the problem? And this was the philosophy of Frederick Nietzsche, who was a popular philosopher who lived in the late 1800s, and he was the first philosopher to proclaim that God is dead. He had heard of a natural disaster that had hit Java, that had destroyed thousands of people, and he wrote to a friend and said, 200,000 wiped out in a stroke. How magnificent. You see... Nietzsche had just followed his own philosophy of life to its point that life doesn't matter. There's no reason to believe that this is not magnificent. It's just the way of things. Of course, this philosophy didn't work out too well for Nietzsche because he ended up going crazy and dying of syphilis. But some choose to release the idea of God because of the suffering that other people bring upon us. But we can't blame God that things aren't perfect because he's given people free will. Adam and Eve exercised their free will in the Garden of Eden to eat of the fruit of the Garden of Eden and disobey God. And what this did was set in motion a domino effect of pain and suffering in the world that you and I are being affected by today. And not only that, but our sins and the sins of other people around us are compounding that domino effect of suffering in the world, and so maybe we shouldn't look at God and point the finger at him about the suffering. Maybe we ought to look in the mirror and the domino effect that we're causing in the world, and this is one of the reasons that God really hates sin. It's because God understands that the sins of people doesn't affect just that person who committed the sin, but it affects other people. I've talked to some of my doctor friends who speak of their emotions when they hold in their arms the deformed baby of a crack addict. And that baby could grow up and say, I didn't ask for this life, but my mom made some choices that caused me to suffer to this day. And I remember as a younger person justifying some of my behaviors by saying, you know what, don't, don't you judge me. Let me do what I wanna do. My sin doesn't affect anybody besides me. It just affects me, but the truth is, Every time we choose to disobey God, it sets in motion a domino effect of pain in someone's life, even if we can't see it at the time. But let me show you the third 
reason for suffering. Some people suffer for mysterious reasons. I remember as a 30-year-old parent uh, in my 30s, taking a three-year-old child along with my wife to the doctor to get shots. So have you ever tried to reason with a three-year-old? Okay, you can reason all day long, hey, you really need these vaccinations. I mean, they're going to be important to your development and your overall health, right? Okay, the three-year-old doesn't care about any of that, right? All the three-year-old can see is mom and daddy just took me to a strange person who is stabbing me in the arm with needles, okay? That's all they understand, right? They don't understand the overall health benefits of it. And isn't that like our lives? Many of us who are a little older now, we understand why we went through some of the suffering that we did in our earlier years, and it made us wiser for living, right? And one of the things you have to understand is that the intellect and wisdom gap between a 30-year-old parent and God is a way larger gap, infinitely larger than the gap between a 30-year-old parent and a three-year-old child. See? So sometimes suffering happens for these mysterious reasons that we just don't get right now. And even when we're older, we may not get what we'll only understand in eternity. Now, Jesus tries to bring some clarity to this mystery uh, uh, of his ways in John chapter 9. Look at verses 1 through 3. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins, right? He's looking at it just like we've looked at it today. Was it, you know, did this guy do something wrong that caused his own suffering, blindness, or was it the sins of other people? Was it his parents' sins? Well, Jesus says it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. And so here's what Jesus is acknowledging. Sure, Jesus understands that uh, we can bring sin, uh, pain and suffering upon ourselves because of our own sins, right? We made our bed, now we've got to lay down. You know, uh, he understands that. He also understands that sin, can, uh, hurt and suffering can be caused by the sins of other people. But he says, it's not always that simple. Suffering is far more nuanced than just the categories that we've created in our minds. Sometimes it's mysterious and we don't have a clue why. We don't know why? So how many of you have ever been like servers at a restaurant, like waiters and waitresses? Just raise your hand real, real quick. How many of you have done it? Okay, good, good. A lot of us have. Have you ever noticed when you go out to dinner or lunch with someone who has been a server that they always tip better and they're always nicer to the other servers than what everyone else at the table is, right? You notice that? And you, we all know why. We understand it, right? Because they know what a server goes through every day with all the arrogant people that think they're God at the table, you know, and, uh, you know, get so arrogant about the way that they treat the servers. And so people who have gone through that are most apt to be kind because they've lived through, uh, you know, being demeaned by, by other people. And that lesson of... Uh, of kind of acknowledging that and empathizing with the suffering of others um, um, really hits us when we look at the, the Bible. In fact, um, when we look at the suffering of other people and when people ask us questions about why am I going through suffering, um, I oftentimes have to just say, I don't know. I really don't know. But here's what I do know is that we follow a God who's like a server, 
who empathizes with our suffering. Jesus empathizes with our suffering. Let me take you to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. And it says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And look at this next part. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tempted. He gets it. Because he came down into our reality to suffer. And this concept went from my head to my heart. Um, a few years ago when I saw an episode of that TV show on CBS called Undercover Boss. Have you seen Undercover Boss? Okay, it's in its eighth season now. We love this show. And my favorite episode uh, was the one where there was a sporting goods CEO who disguised himself, right? And he went to work in one of his retail stores uh, amongst the rank and file, you know, retail employees. And he was really inspired by one of the employees there. Her name was Angel, and she was a single mother who had three children, and she was working hard at this job, but she still didn't have enough resources to have her own place. And so Angel and her three children were living in a homeless shelter. Well, I want to take you to the last scene of that episode of Undercover Boss and show you uh, what happened with this undercover boss and Angel. Take a look. Angel, here you are, a department manager in apparel, teaching me and showing me every inch of the way. You were just amazing. I just hope that I'm doing good for you. <laughs> it was above and beyond anything I could have ever expected from an associate. But your talent level and the way you care about the company, you're the kind of leaders that we want in our company. And that's why I'm promoting you to assistant manager. What? Oh my goodness, I'm sorry, I can't believe this. We're giving you a $14,000 raise. What? <laughs> you deserve it. Oh, Think about that homeless shelter where you go home every night since I left you. It kills me to see that you're still there. Is that why I have a check for you? <laughs> because I want you to move out of there immediately, like tonight. What? No, you cannot be serious. I'm serious. And so I have on me a check for $250,000. Oh my God. No, no, oh my, oh my goodness, no. Angel, are you okay? Oh my God. <laughs> I have a financial advisor that I'm setting up with you and taxes are taken out, so it's $250,000. <laughs> and I don't want you to live in that homeless shelter ever again. I'm gonna tell my children that we're not going back to the shelter anymore. That we're gonna have our own place. Oh my God. I 
they can run out back and play in their backyard. They can be kids. <laughs> so, you know why Angel appreciated the blessing of the raise, you know, and the money for the house? Because she'd been through suffering. That's why she appreciated it. And this is a woman that when she got, you're supposed to say beat, beat. And when she endured the, she turned, that's right, she turned sweet. See? And you know why all of our hearts are touched by that? You see that story, and it makes me mad. You know, I try and be all hard about it and everything. But I looked at it, and I'm like, angel, yes, angel. <laughs> and you know why our hearts resonate with that kind of story? We see movies and TV shows and all kinds of stories that we read in books and everything of someone who was a big deal coming down among us. You know why our hearts resonate with that? Because God wired us and set us up to resonate with stories of incarnation because our hearts are designed by God to connect with the ultimate story of incarnation. God himself, through his son Jesus, coming not just from a CEO's office, but coming from heaven to live among us and not just in a retail setting, but on a cross. He was willing to die and suffer. He was the ultimate one who was willing to get what? And endure spiritual so that our eternities could be. Yes, that is the heart and essence of the gospel. And if you could receive that for yourself today, perhaps God brought you here and you've realized that your suffering is far more of a spiritual issue than it is a philosophical issue. And by his spirit, he's drawing you to himself today. I think it would be appropriate for us to stop and pray to him and talk to him for a minute, wouldn't you? So let's bow our heads together. And as we go before the Lord, if you, for some reason, understand the heart and essence of the gospel today, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and you'd like to have a relationship with God, I want you to just pray to God right now and say something like this in your own heart and mind. Look, God, I know that you sent your son Jesus to be beat on that cross and he endured the spiritual heat of the sins of the world, not just my sins, not just the guilt I feel because of my sins, but the guilt and shame and ick and filth of all the sins of everyone were upon him. And I believe that he died there that day on that cross to take the penalty for my sins, and I receive that as a gift today that my life here on earth would be sweet and I would endure suffering with Jesus until the ultimate sweet in eternity when he does exercise his power to overcome sin and end it forever. Thank you for the work of the cross, Jesus, because that's when the death knell 
to suffering and death. The death blow happened there. And we look forward to the day that, that it's fully realized. We look forward to the day when we don't just see in a mirror dimly, but we see you face to face. If you're going through a time of suffering right now as we pray, would you just slip up your hand real quick just so I can see it because I want to pray over you. You got, you got some suffering going on in your life right now? Good, good. I want to encourage you with some stuff. If you just looked up at me as we continue to pray, just stay there before God and receive these words on you. These words come from a guy who knew suffering well. He said, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. He also says that we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he's promised us. Would you receive that encouragement today from God's word? Receive hope. Receive hope right now. Holy Spirit, just fill us with hope. We're asking you for that today. Thank you for your kindness to us and your grace that gets us through the storms and suffering of this life, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.